Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. And no, unfortunately, we do not have a conspiracy theory to get to on today's pod. Those are the best stories. Those are the most fun to talk about. But we do have a lot to get to on this Thursday edition of the podcast. And we're going to start with second homes. That's always great for the mortgage business, right? We got first homes and then people want to buy a second home. Yeah, let's do it. It's good for the mortgage business. And here's the good news. They are up in September after a summer slump. We are now back above where we were, but not as high as we used to be, if that makes any sense. We're kind of like in a Goldilocks situation right now. So demand for second homes has jumped 60% higher than it was before the coronavirus pandemic, but that is well below the 112% record that we saw in March, but it's higher than the 40% that we saw in July. So like I said, it's kind of in between. It's like a happy medium, like a Goldilocks situation. Taylor Marr, the Redfin deputy chief economist. Oh, and by the way, that's where we're getting this information from. Taylor Marr said in a statement that a new rule announcement from Fannie Mae probably helped contribute to the slowdown with regards to second homes, saying, quote, the market may have overreacted to the Fannie Mae rule a bit, which would explain why we've been seeing demand for second homes bounce back because they, by the way, they got rid of that rule. So now mortgage companies, the original percentage with regards to portfolio and overall pricing. We're now back to where we were, which has been a good news for the mortgage industry. Mortgage rates, of course, are on the rise as well, which is likely creating a renewed sense of urgency. So if you're on the fence, now's the time to get out there and buy that second home. And so there's a lot of factors uh, all kind of happening at once. But like I said, we're kind of in this Goldilocks situation. But here's the real interesting thing about second homes. There was a piece over at the Wall Street Journal that said that the recent surge in second homes and of course remote work has created this kind of weird situation where tax and legal challenges are now facing a lot of owners. The Wall Street Journal said, quote, designating a primary residence is important to avoid having all of your income taxed by multiple states. This according to Janet Hagee, president of CPA firm Hagee & Associates in Austin, Texas. She said, quote, you prevent that by keeping track of the number of days that you are in a particular state. Now, this used to be something that only the uber rich really had to deal with. They got homes all over the place and trying to figure out where their domicile was was uh, undoubtedly something that their accountants figured out. But now you have people who are still rich. Obviously, if you have two homes, you're probably categorized as rich, but you're not that level of rich where you have people around the clock working to try and figure out your tax situation. And so second homes during COVID have also created a very kind of unique first world problem. So it's not only dealing with taxes and the legal the legal realm when it comes to a second home, but you're also having to find a local doctor for both locations, remembering which house has your clothes. You're trying to figure out where you want to send your children to school and, of course, determining which residence will be your primary. A lot of people have said, hey, my second home has now become my primary home. And so let, this is first world problems that we are dealing with. But demand is now once again up. And I'm assuming it's probably going to stay that way. 
Now that you have, of course, like I said, the mortgage rules changed, but a lot of people are discovering that, yeah, they want to live where their second homes are. What were they waiting for? Let's move to those places. And that's interesting because we also got some data this week from the quarterly report that comes out from the Wall Street Journal and Realtor.com. It's their Emerging Housing Markets Index. And the big winner in Q3, probably not surprising, was small cities. And like I said, it's not surprising because of the home appreciation. A lot of people are like, hey, my dollar goes a lot further. The number one city in this index was Elkhart, Indiana, which bills itself as the RV capital of the world. They were the number one spot in Q3 here for this index. 2021, that of course was followed by Rapid City, South Dakota, who came in at number two, followed by Topeka, Kansas, Raleigh, North Carolina, baby, and then Jefferson City, Missouri. Now, the index identifies the top metro areas for home buyers seeking an appreciating housing market as well as a appealing lifestyle amenities. Now, double-digit growth is the norm nowadays, no doubt, but that was especially so for the Emerging Housing Index in which the top 20, the median home sales price in Elkhart County rose to 12.3% in August to $209,900. Now, as I said, the top 20 list saw some tremendous growth with the average metro area seeing 13.4% growth in this past year. The 300 metro areas that they count saw about 6.6 appreciation. So still pretty good, but nothing like that top 20 level or of course the number one or top five areas. And here's the great news. North Carolina, where I broadcast out of, Three metro areas in the top 20. You had Raleigh, Burlington, and Durham, Chapel Hill. And where I broadcast out of, Wilmington came in at number 33. So North Carolina, as someone who lives here, I can back that up. It is the place to be. And I have a, I have a feeling North Carolina, or Wilmington, I should say, where I'm from, is uh, slowly moving its way up that chart. And it will continue to move. It, it has been moving up. And I'm, I'm assuming based on the activity that I see on a daily basis, it will continue to work its way up that chart. Now, mortgage demand. We get our weekly data from the Mortgage Bankers Association. And not surprisingly, rates are moving up. So demand moves in the opposite direction. Normally, that's the way that it works. I think last week, we actually saw a rarity where mortgage demand actually jumped up. But for the most part, when rates are moving up, you're going to see demand somewhat subside, mostly because of refis. And that's kind of what we saw this week. According to the Mortgage Bankers Association weekly survey, refis dropped by 7% week over week and were down 22% from the same time one year ago. Purchases fell 5% for the week and were down 12% from the same time one year ago. This continued drop in refi demand now means that the refi share of mortgage activity fell to 63.3% down last week when it was 63.9%. I mentioned mortgage rates. Well, those are up across the board. The 30-year fix, the average contract interest rate increased five basis points to 3.23%. 
which is now down 21 basis points from the same time one year ago. But what's interesting, the 15-year fix, the average contract interest rate did jump six basis points, so even more than the 30-year fix to 2.54%, but that's still below the 2.61% that we saw at the same time last year. Joe Kahn, the Mortgage Bankers Association Vice President of Economic and Industry Forecasting, said in a statement that rising rates are really starting to impact the refi side of the business, especially now that you're seeing 3.2, 3.3, whatever it may be. Now people are like, whoa, hold on, wait, what happened to two point something. So Khan said in a statement, refinance applications declined for the fourth week as rates increased, bringing the refinance index to its lowest level since July. The 30-year fixed rate has increased 20 basis points just in the past month and has now reached 3.23%. That is the highest since April. The 15-year fixed rate increased to 2.54, which is also the highest since July. So yeah, I mean, this is what's gonna happen. We've talked about this all week here on the podcast. This evidence continues to just flow in that the refi boom is officially over. And But, but here's the good news. If you're in the mortgage business or in the real estate business, purchases are still on fire. I mean, last week, the only reason the mortgage demand index was up was because of purchases. Refis were still down last week. So purchases are still hot, especially in the smaller places where the dollars stretch a lot further. And even in places where that's not the case, like in Wilmington, I mean, houses are expensive. I mean, sure, they're not as expensive as they are in, say, New York, but they're expensive for North Carolina and people are still wanting to buy homes here. Destination locations, because they're like, you know what? I want to live in where my second home was going to be. And now the second home is going to be my primary residence. So I would say all in all, Good news on this Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. So here's what's coming up, coming up, coming up this morning. <laughs> we got at uh, 8.30, of course, it's Thursday. So we're going to be getting initial jobless claims day, which has been pretty good for the last couple of weeks. Let's hope that that continues. And existing home sales data, that is coming out at 10 a.m. So lot to get to here this morning that we're going to be talking about on tomorrow's pod. You guys enjoy your Thursday. I'll talk to you on Friday. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.